Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 149 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this interview episode where we pull up a seat with the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I have the great privilege to spend an hour or so chatting with Chris Swanger, President and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, aka Discus, and one of the driving forces behind Responsibility.org and Spirits United, which we'll talk about in depth during this interview. In general, the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States is the primary lobbying organization responsible for advancing the needs and goals of distillers, distributors, and the beverage end of the service industry. Chris and his team are deeply involved in making a positive impact on the spirits and cocktail world by making sure that lawmakers and everyday consumers like you and me are informed about the challenges and opportunities facing this great industry. As you can imagine, Chris and I really get into it during this talk, in a good way. But before we start solving all the world's problems and unpacking everything from tariffs to takeout cocktails, let's give you a moment to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Brown Derby. This is a classic Prohibition-era throwback drink that features Chris's favorite spirit, bourbon. To make it, you'll need one and a half to two ounces of said bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of honey syrup, which is just a two to one ratio of honey to water, heated either on the stove or conveniently, the way I do it in the microwave. And then finally, three quarters of an ounce of fresh grapefruit juice. Combine all these ingredients in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake it up for about 15 seconds until everything is well chilled and diluted, and then strain into a stemmed cocktail glass and enjoy. The big appeal of the Brown Derby cocktail, which was invented in LA a few years prior to the repeal of Prohibition, is that it doesn't contain anything that was hard to source here in the US. We grow our own grapefruits down in Florida. We got them bees making honey all over the place, and of course, we've got our beloved national spirit, bourbon. All comes from the same country. And that was important during Prohibition because during that time, it was hard to get your hands on a lot of fancy European liqueurs and imported spirits. So the Brown Derby is truly a drink of its time. It takes the whiskey sour format and evolves it in a compelling way, but it also knows its limitations and stays in its lane. So, now that you've got a refreshing throwback cocktail in hand, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this wide-ranging conversation with Distilled Spirits Council President and CEO Chris Swanger, some of the topics we discuss include what Discus does as a lobbying organization and why storytelling is so important when it comes to capturing the attention of policymakers. How seemingly unrelated forces like steel imports, fighter jets, and trade wars have a direct impact on the sticker price of our favorite scotches and liqueurs, and on how much bourbon leaves the United States. 
what distillers and bartenders have been doing on the front lines to keep people safe and well-stocked during the COVID-19 shelter-in-place crisis, and how the three-tier system is adapting to the new constraints imposed by the pandemic. Some of the great strides being made by Spirits United, a platform where home enthusiasts and industry professionals can all come together to support their favorite beverages and the people who make them. Which emerging trends to keep your eye on as the booze market recovers from the coronavirus with extreme innovation? What to drink with Winston Churchill and Matthew McConaughey? And much, much more. In our day-to-day lives, I don't think most of us really have much contact with the world of politics, lobbying, and legislation. In some respects, it's a glacial process that only allows for small, incremental progress over time. And in other cases, there are opportunities that allow for sweeping reforms or relaxations that can completely transform the face of an industry and shape how and what we imbibe. I enjoyed Chris's enthusiasm for Spirit's advocacy, and I personally gained a lot of really cool insights from our chat. So, without further prelude, please enjoy this timely and wide-ranging conversation with Chris Swanger, President and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Chris, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Great. So why don't we just kick it off here by having you explain who you are, what you do, and uh, where the Distilled Spirits Council kind of fits into the grand scheme of things here in the U.S.? You bet. So again, my name is Chris Swanger, and I have the privilege uh, to lead the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States and Responsibility.org. The Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, uh, also called DISCUS for short, uh, is the uh, industry-leading trade association that represents uh, distilled spirits suppliers, all the great companies that make the great cocktails around the world, uh, the bourbons, the scotches, uh, the, the vodkas and the rums and uh, Irish whiskeys and all of the above. And it's a real privilege to represent all those great companies. And we're the, we're the organization that advocates for the interest of our industry and also advocates for the interest of consumers all around the United States. Responsibility.org is our industry foundation. And uh, Responsibility.org uh, has, has been around since 1991. The industry has spent millions and millions of dollars in efforts to combat underage drinking and drunk driving and promoting responsible consumption. That is a critical element uh, for the industry's ability to continue to grow and prosper because, of course, we want all, all consumers uh, to enjoy the product uh, in moderation and responsibly and, and so forth. So those, that is an, a very, very, very important complementary element. Uh, by background, uh, I had the privilege of working for two of the largest distilled spirits companies in the world uh, for 15 years, from 1995 to 2009. And then I took a 10-year break from the industry. I worked for a global technology and engineering company and then of course, circled back uh, to really have the opportunity to represent Discus as its president, CEO, and responsibility.org. Uh, so it is a privilege to represent such great companies. Uh, I'm a, I have a government relations background, and uh, I just love advocating for the interests of this great uh, responsible industry. 
uh, one that uh, is near and dear to many, many hearts, and uh, the industry really contributes a lot to the economic vitality of the country, provides great products for consumers to enjoy, and in addition to that, and just as just as important, it's a it's a responsible industry that's very committed to doing doing good in the communities that we live and work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's I think a, a great summary. Um, getting a little bit more into the I guess the specifics, the the moving parts of what your day to day is like. Um, can you give our listeners maybe a taste of, you know, some of the responsibilities and roles that, you know, kind of fall on your plate as the, as the leader of the distilled spirits council and uh, responsibility.org? Absolutely. So as you can imagine, I mean, out beverage alcohol is a very regulated product, right? And in the United States, it's regulated by 50 different states. So there's not a one size fits all. So in, in beverage alcohol is also a big driver in, in federal revenue, right? For the taxes that are garnered from beverage alcohol to uh, the sale and distribution of it. So in any given day, state governments, local governments, the federal government, the U.S. Congress, international trade bodies like the World Trade Organization are debating and considering policies that could really have an impact on our industry. And our country has gone through quite an evolution since the days of prohibition. So the Distilled Spirits Council's role is really to be on the front lines and to make sure that we're driving market access, consumer convenience, so consumers can enjoy the great products, but at the same time working closely with uh, working closely with state governments and, and policymakers to make sure that we balance the considerations of regulation and market access, job creation, economic vitality, in a in an appropriate way and uh, when you're uh, you have a government relations background like I do uh, it's advocacy is all about winning share of mine if you can imagine most people have a disdain for politics and disdain for you know what's happening on Capitol Hill and it's a very 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 frustrating process but some people like me it's in my blood Uh, and I had a pinch it for it I remember being in sixth grade and I used to watch the news and was just intrigued by it. So when I was growing up in West Texas and I went to school at Texas Tech, I always loved politics and government relations. When I graduated from school, I got my pickup truck and I drove to D.C. to pursue a dream. And uh, little did I know that I would be here with the opportunity to represent such a great industry. And it's just proud, but it's hard and you have to be persistent and relentless. Uh, and part of the game from a government relations or advocacy perspective is to win share of mine because policymakers are grappling with a thousand different issues on a given day. Could be education issues, uh, uh, environmental issues, homeland security issues, right? Any given day, healthcare issues. Look what they're having to grapple with through the COVID-19 crisis. So 
Our job is to kind of bring our industry to life in the hearts and minds of policymakers so they understand, so they don't have a natural, potentially negative reaction when it comes to our industry, because our industry plays such a vital role. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting um, kind of hearing your kind of like there and back again story uh, in terms of, you know, having a you know really extensive career within the industry, then then leaving yeah. for a little bit and then returning now to lead the Distilled Spirits Council. And, you know, as you were describing the process of winning share of mind, one, one thing that occurred to me is the kind of the role of storytelling in this process, because ultimately what you're trying to do is, you know, if, if you and your team, I, I'm guessing, are able to identify a policy goal, for example, that, that you would like to, you know, spend your time trying to advance, and then hopefully that policy ends up being put to a vote on the floor of one of the governing bodies of either a state legislature or our national Congress. Um, you know, I feel like storytelling has to be a really big part of that, uh, you know, winning the share of mind thing. And, and, you know, you mentioned prohibition and the story of the regulations of our country since prohibition has been a really interesting one. So uh, I was wondering, maybe could you share one or two examples of policies that that may be either in the works right now or that you're kind of pushing for so that our, our listeners can kind of understand like, oh, okay, here's the Distilled Spirits Council and, and here's Chris, here's a project that they're all trying to do and you know, here's my, here, here's maybe what might come of that down the road. Oh, great. And I can tell you too. And I would say storytelling and what's so awesome about our industry is there's lots and lots of stories, not only to tell, but policymakers can live it too. If they visit a distillery, uh, they see it, they feel it, they smell it, they touch it, right? And they can taste it ultimately. So uh, what is awesome about uh the opportunity that I have in representing Discus and Responsibility.org, and and I'll certainly want to talk about the responsibility component too, is the great stories that we can convey. Uh, and our industry is unique because as coming from uh, a technology company, uh, it's a different kind of story, right? And uh, uh, not that it's better or less, but it's, it's just, it's very, very different. And most people... Uh, who uh, have a relationship with beverage alcohol or distilled spirits, you know, uh, they quickly identify with it, right? Like I remember that time I was having dinner with my wife and we just, we had a great martini or a cocktail or so forth. So two issues that our industry is grappling with as we speak is we are struggling with the issue of tariffs. So uh, the Trump administration has taken a fairly aggressive posture uh, with some of our trading partners, China included, Europe included, not to get into the politics of it, but from the Trump administration's perspective, they're trying to rebalance the trade deficit that our country has had with trading partners for a long time. And as a result of that, in June 2018, uh, the Europeans retaliated over a trade issue related to steel and aluminum. And as a result of that, they imposed a 25% tariff on American whiskey. Now, that is horrific because at the end of the day, that trickles down to consumers. And at the time, American whiskey was on a great boom with European consumers. And uh, 
There's 2,100 distilleries around the country uh, that have really just grown up over the last 10 to 15 years. And today, the exports on American whiskey from the U.S. to Europe are down 27%. Uh, and there are a lot of stories to tell about uh, how that momentum has, has been basically thwarted as a result. And uh, uh, as a result of that, uh, about six months ago, related to a different trade dispute over aircraft parts between Boeing and Airbus, uh, the Trump administration imposed tariffs on single malt scotch, uh, Irish whiskey from Northern Ireland, and cordials and liqueurs. And there are two disputes between two great trade bodies, the European Union and the United States, and we're implicated as a result of that in uh, imposing great, great harm uh, on the U.S. and the EU distilled spirits industry. So there's a lot of stories to tell. Uh, the U.S. and the EU spirits industry are very favored, recognized by both governments. Uh, before June 2018, when the EU decided to impose tariffs on American whiskey, the U.S. and the EU enjoyed well over 450% growth in imports and exports between uh, uh, the, the two markets. So we're working very, very, very hard to try to navigate this in a careful way, uh, uh, trying to help policymakers understand the impact. You add, you know, the impact of COVID. Certainly, that is that is crushing as well. And uh, uh, we're advocating because at the end of the day, that's going to have an impact on a small craft distillery around the country or ultimately the price of that bottle of great American whiskey that you want to try. And uh, really, it comes down to a dollars and cents issue, but it also comes down to a people issue and can impact job creation and job growth. So we're working hard both with the European Union and the, and the Trump administration to try to play a constructive role to get some common ground. The challenge we've had on that particular issue is uh, uh, we're caught up in disputes that aren't even related to our industry. Another one, and I would just have to say it's it's COVID-19 related, but uh, as, as a result of the shutdown uh, over the last two months, uh, 15 years ago, I may be off on this a little bit, but there were probably 40 distilleries in the United States. Uh, the big ones, the, the great ones, Jack Daniels, right? Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, uh, you, you name it. Today, there's 2,100 distilleries, give or take. And uh, the tariff challenges had ha have had an impact on exports of American whiskey to Europe. Uh, and that is hurting these great craft distilleries all around the country. And then you take COVID, where many of these distilleries have had to shut down uh, to close down their tasting rooms, close down their distillery tours, right? 40% of their profit is driven from those visits of those distilleries. So we're working with Congress right now to make sure that they understand the impact of that. You just think about all that Congress is grappling with, right? The healthcare system is greatly impacted, right? Elective surgery is not happening anymore. Now, some of those things are starting to open up, right? You look at the impact of restaurants and bars and taverns and just the economic impact, right? So the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States is in the thick of it 
working closely with the Restaurant Association, working closely with the U.S. Bartenders Guild, and uh, working closely with craft distillers all around the country. And all, all the boot, uh, which is an awesome human interest story, is when, when COVID became real for all of us around March 11th and 12th, who would have thunk we're here you know, towards the end of May and uh, we're still navigating through it. But our industry has really stepped up. Many of them started quickly mobilizing to make hand sanitizer. So this great industry is on the front lines in defeating the COVID-19. We've really unified. There's over 765 distilleries in the United States uh, manufacturing hand sanitizer, all having to follow the guidelines of the Food Drug Administration. They actually regulate hand sanitizer, so we got to do it very safely. And Discus has been in the thick of it, helping to guide those distilleries on the the, the World Health Organization and the FDA guidelines, uh, making sure that we are a resource to all those distilleries. We set up a portal so all the distilleries can uh, collaborate together if they need supplies or different bottles and so forth. Uh, uh, it's just a very, despite everything, it's a proud moment for the for the industry. And when the history books are written, uh, there's going to either be a paragraph or a footnote that the distilled spirits industry really stepped up and has tried to, to make the world a better place and our community safer as a result of the thousands and thousands of gallons of hand sanitizer that we've produced. Yeah, yeah. Um... Wow. Uh, again, I think, a lot. I, I mean, I could go on. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, we may get back to the craft beverage modernization act at some point, you know, there's, there's still yeah, a lot that's top of my mind. Uh, yep. And you know, it's, that's not unrelated, uh, especially, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, questions of, uh, questions that go back to the time of George Washington, right. Uh, famous sure. founding distiller who ended up having to, you know, uh, you know, perhaps a little bit ironically, go and uh, quell a rebellion of uh, whiskey uh, whiskey makers in Pennsylvania who weren't too happy about yep. being taxed, right? <laughs> yeah. And now we're talking talking about uh, the government taxing uh, spirits uh, again and still. So, uh, you know, these these are things that you know, in in some respect, may be cyclical. You know, you may see certain patterns of history repeating itself. Uh, in other respects, it, it may be you know, kind of like a slow march towards some sort of um type of progress um but you know as, as i was as i was listening to you describe some of these really large scale debates uh you know one thing that's really humbling for me is, is though i kind of view myself as industry support staff i, I guess you know in maybe in a different way but sort of you know in a uh, accessory way to maybe the, the, the job that you do. Uh, yeah. so I, I know quite a bit about what's going on, but, but I still, you know, in my heart, I'm, I'm a home consumer. I'm, I'm an enthusiast. And so as I'm standing here, listening to what you're saying, I'm getting all these ideas and, and making all these connections of like, Oh my God, like a, an aircraft deal between the EU and the U S is suddenly affecting, you know, the price of whiskey on the shelf. And there's got to be like a sliver of a percentage of home consumers who actually are able to make that connection. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's why I love having this chance to sit down with you, because I bet we've already blown some people's minds right now about 
like how mom and dad can be fighting, but suddenly, you know, it's the kids who are getting it taken out on us. And, you know, okay, dad has a bad day, comes home and kicks the dog. Well, it wasn't the dog's fault that dad had a bad day, you know, at the uh, United Nations or whatever it was. But yet, you know what? The dog still got kicked. So what do we do about this? Are you? Well, I've got I've got some ideas for you. Yeah, let, let's and go. One of the, yeah, yeah. And look, the craft is trying to get Congress to make the craft beverage modernization tax reform act permanent is a top top priority for us. Uh, that is one of the things that we're advocating for as we speak with the U.S. Congress as they think about the next phase of the economic stimulus package. So. One of the proudest things, and it's a it's a work in progress that I'm 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 excited about that we did, that we have done at Discus is, uh, there are consumers, there are industry veterans uh, that the passion within this industry is unbelievable, and I can say that with authority because I left the industry for ten years, working for a great company and a great technology company. I've never seen anything like the passion. So how do we channel that fashion and really bring the industry together? So uh, we created a grassroots platform called Spirits United. Get it? Spirits United, right? And the intent of it is really to bring those that are just consumers, passionate advocates for the industry together to come to it, to come together on issues that are important for our industry, and basically, www.spiritsunited.org, and you sign up. And when we need a call to action, we need consumers or industry veterans, anybody that is invested in the health and the well-being of this industry can engage. And it literally takes two seconds. It's all voluntary, but you. Put your name in and your email address. And if we need you to send a letter uh, to a member of Congress or a state legislator about a particular issue uh, to support your favorite, you know, bourbon or scotch or gin or what have you, Spirits United is uh, is a platform to do that. And you can learn about the many, many issues that we are, are working on. And... Uh, it's just a great platform. We launched it in August of 2019, so it's still a baby, and we've got 32,000 plus people signed up now. So anytime we need to advocate to Congress or the state legislature, you're in California, in Sacramento, we can do it, and we'll do a call to action. People can ignore it, or people can literally take two minutes and uh, send a letter to their uh, policymaker. Uh, so it's a great platform, and part of what I'm trying to do at Discus is really to harness that passion and unite the industry for the greater good of the industry, uh, not only for suppliers, but for distributors and retailers. They're a critical component of it, and at the end of the day, it's got to be all about the consumers. So Spirits United, for our listeners out there, please check it out. Uh, it's a lot of fun, www.spiritsunited.org, and you can sign up and you can join the Spirits United Army. I love this. And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so stoked about Spirits United is because, as you know from, from your role with Responsibility.org, um, the three-tier system in the United States, it has 
certain checks and balances inherent to it. You know, some of those, uh, many of those checks and balances, I should say, are there to keep end consumers safe. Um, sure. Some of those can be a little bit frustrating at times in terms of, you know, um, you know, market strategy and, you know, the fact that, you know, if you're a distiller, occasionally you have to go through, you know, several middlemen before you end up getting, you know, your product to market, you get less of a share. This goes back to that comment that you made about how a lot of craft distilleries make 40% of the money in their own tasting rooms because that's where their margins are greatest. Um, yeah. But... Because of this three-tier system, we've got a number of different groups of people who don't necessarily always see themselves as allies. They may see themselves as perhaps reliant on one another, but I don't think that if you looked at a distributor uh, and then you talked to a home consumer of spirits and cocktails, that that home consumer would necessarily think of a liquor distributor as their ally or their friend per se. Yeah. And yet what you're saying is that this spirits United is a way for anybody who has a stake in the spirits industry to kind of throw their hat in the ring. So when just an awesome home consumer, when he, you know, gets the email, his email weighs the same as the email from the president of uh, a big, huge distributor. My wet Hennessy. Right. Absolutely. Right. Or Diageo. And, and that's what I love about this is that um, – and I think it's perfect for our audience because we have so many home consumers, but also a lot of industry folks uh, listening to this podcast. What I love about Spirits United is that we're gathering together and, and you know, going back to what you said about the, the whole, like, getting the mind share of people. You know, Spirits United is a way for us to work together no matter what portion of the industry you touch your contribution is an equal contribution toward getting that mindshare. So that's what excites me about Spirits United as a platform. And I think it's just an absolutely fantastic way for you to kind of galvanize a bunch of separate groups of people into a much larger cohesive whole uh, for the purpose of advancing common goals that are good for everybody. So uh, I just hats, hats off to you for, for being oh, able to launch that. Well, I, I, a couple of things. There's 1.6 million people by our count uh, in, in, involved or invested just by business, whether it's bartenders. There's 1.6 million people in the United States directly uh, invested in our industry in one form or another through their job and what have you. So, look, 32,000 isn't a much, but we're, we're making progress, right? And hope, hopefully as a result of uh, this great podcast, uh, there'll be 38,000, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, every day we're trying to grow it. Uh, you talk about the three-tier system. Um, uh, the three-tier system has really been an important element and foundation of the industry's success, working closely with our distributor partners and our retail partners. Uh, uh, the COVID crisis has certainly brought brought to bear some of the things that we're going to have to contend with uh, in the coming months, certainly supporting standing up uh, our restaurant and our tavern partners. Uh, the state of California, 33 states have adopted cocktails to go. Uh, and Discus has been very involved in advocating for that. That is rel relatively a new phenomenon, and that is a big uh, lifeline for uh, the restaurants and so forth, but that's something that should be made permanent, right? It's an opportunity. Uh, as long as we put 
provisions in there, and we work with regulators to make sure that uh, appropriate responsibility standards are in place because none of us want people uh, consuming alcohol and driving and getting in accidents and so forth, right? And, you know, the issue of uh, direct-to-consumer direct shipping is another one. It's a sensitive issue. And we as an industry are going to have to come together and contend with it. The world has changed dramatically just over the last couple of months, the rise of e-commerce. And uh, Discus uh, is very, very committed to working with our distributor partners, our retail partners, uh, our craft distiller uh, partners as well, uh, to try to navigate that where we maintain the strong foundation of the three-tier system because that ensures that the product is properly uh, regulated and going from one uh, supply chain to another, but you just the world has just changed dramatically with e-commerce. So how do we do that? How do we do that in a responsible way? Uh, and that's that's something that you know the current uh, marketplace that we're contending with that the industry is going to have to come together and navigate that find a way of supporting many of the distilleries around here that are going to, it's going to take a long time, finding a way to support our restaurant and bars and our bartenders who have been dramatically hit by all of this. And uh, uh, you, you discus, discus and responsibility.org are going to be very involved in these discussions and considerations with policymakers, but also with our industry partners as well. And Spirits United is a great, great platform for everybody to come together, harness the passion that we all have in terms of our love for this great industry, and put that passion to something very, very useful uh, that protects, protects the interests of our industry and ultimately consumers when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, of course, we're going to have links uh, to all of the various websites, including responsibility.org and um, the and Discus and uh, everything that you will need to kind of throw your hat into the ring here. Um, if you're interested, uh, over on the show notes page at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. So uh, when this episode's released, you can just head on over there and uh, explore everything that Chris and I have been uh, speaking about to this point. Um Chris, you, you, we've mentioned a couple times the COVID-19 situation and how things are just kind of topsy-turvy right now. We know that a lot of our distilleries are making hand sanitizer and running into potential you know, issues there. We've mentioned that bars and restaurants are closed or they're reopening and trying to completely revamp the way that they are doing business by offering takeout and to-go cocktails, which is interesting and different. And then, of course, the e-commerce thing. Now, I mean, imagining ourselves a little bit into the future, whether that is two weeks into the future or maybe, you know, three to four months in the future, what, in your opinion, does recovery look like for this industry, whether we're talking about uh, bars and restaurants or distilleries? Sure. Well, I think we got to take it in two tranches. We've got a, we've got a, we've got or challenges in the short term. But then I do think there's a possibility of re reimagining a new marketplace a year from now, two or three years from now. And the industry is gonna have to really work hard and come together uh, to identify that new marketplace, right? And it all should be driven on uh, ultimately consumer convenience and responsibility and all of the above, right? I think in the short term, uh, we are working closely with the National Restaurant Association 
uh, the U.S. Bartenders Guild uh, to, to help uh, certainly board, support the bartender community, uh, uh, advocating uh, for Congress on the next stimulus, uh, uh, economic stimulus package, getting the Craft Beverage Modernization Act uh, made permanent. That will uh, provide predictability and support for the craft distilleries around the country. And then really play a positive, constructive role in contributing of, you know, how do we navigate uh, ensuring social distancing? We're going to be dealing with this until there's a vaccine, right? And we, we don't know, right? Hopefully there's a vaccine by the end of the year, but that may be ambitious, right? And then I think in the longer term, reimagining our great industry and how do we navigate? Uh, you know, when I left the industry for 10 years and came back, in in large part, the industry, uh, you know, it's it's it stayed somewhat. Uh, how do I say it? Uh, the industry is going to have to evolve mm. as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, and I think collectively, you know, the industry leaders need to come together and reimagine the new marketplace. E-commerce is an element of that. Uh, consumer convenience is an element of that. Uh, supporting our on and off premise. We can't forget, you know, uh, you know, the impact of the off premise. I mean, some of the Nielsen numbers have 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 shot up. People have been stockpiling and so forth, which is a good thing. But, you know, all of these considerations, there's going to be some implications and impact, you know, across our industry. But I think we've got to come together and kind of reimagine the new marketplace, be guided by making sure that uh, we're always keeping top of mind uh, responsibility and high standards of that. Because if, if we take our eye off the ball on responsibility, that's when governments react and overreact. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say uh, over the last 15, 20 years, all the trend lines on underage drinking, drunk driving, they've been going in the right direction down, right? And we've got to be very, very mindful of that always because that's an important role of our industry. And as we navigate these big market market uh, place changes in support of our restaurants, our on-premise, our distributor partners, and the suppliers, of course, the great companies that make the sweet, sweet products. Uh, we're going to have to always keep in mind what has made this industry great, uh, which is appropriate regulation, uh, but with a, with a focus on the consumer when it's all said and done. Yeah, and I think this is a really great um, invitation, Chris, for people to do a little bit of perspective taking. You know, um, earlier I mentioned that um, you know it, it might not be uh, it might not occur to someone that a home consumer and a distributor might might be seen as as being on the same team in in any given situation. Uh, but it, if you do a little bit of perspective taking as a home consumer. And if you look around you, for example, let's take this example of, of to-go cocktails, right? Something that's, um, to be honest, is kind of keeping some restaurants open right now. Open alive. Yeah, right? absolutely. So so yep. to take this, for example, the to-go cocktails. You know, I, I'm a home consumer. I am scrolling through Instagram. 
and I see a post from my favorite restaurant that I haven't gotten to go to since uh, the COVID. Uh, right. Yep. So I said, oh, hey, look, they're offering to go cocktails now. Uh, I live in D.C. Uh, so what I can do is I can go throw on a mask and I can go wait in line six feet away from somebody else. Probably I probably even emailed them my order so that they have it ready ahead of time. I can stand in line and I can get my cocktail and I can go enjoy it at home. Now, if you don't try to, you know, do a little perspective taking in that situation, well, it just, it looks like a successful cocktail transaction, right? I want cocktail, I get cocktail. Um, I have money, bar or restaurant gets money. Simple as that transaction over. But if you think about, you know, that storytelling that we were talking about earlier, well, you know, this to-go cocktail thing is the beginning of a story that hasn't played out completely yet. And and so what I would encourage people to do, if like me you're a home consumer, and if like me you have enjoyed to-go cocktails, for example, I'd like you to take a, a zoomed out perspective and, and ask, okay, well, how does the restaurant feel about these to-go cocktails? You know, how does the bartender feel? How does the restaurant manager feel? Um, now, if we if we zoom way out, right, you're, you're talking about, you know, cocktails that are being served often in these, you know, cups that you could probably just stick a straw in and put it in your cup holder in your car. It's yeah. entirely possible that there is a version of this story that ends in a lot of people dead in car accidents. And that's not good, Right. Right. So, so what I'd like to, I guess the, the weird sort of point that I'm trying to get across right now is that because of the place we're in, in, in history right now, there's a lot of stories that have veered off track, but have not been fully written yet. And so I think, I think by doing some perspective taking here, you can kind of appreciate more all of the moving pieces that need to fall in correctly in order for these stories to go well. And I think, you know, that's where uh, Discus and all of the various initiatives that you're um, kind of quarterbacking right now, Chris, come into play because it really is important how these things turn out because otherwise we might be staring at a situation that looks very similar to something that happened a little over a century ago when a lot of people were not happy with the effects that alcohol was having on this country. Those people ended up getting together and um, getting this thing called prohibition uh, passed into law. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's where the, the cyclical nature and the, the impact of storytelling are really important here, because if we want to avoid another dark age, uh, I think it's it's kind of on everybody. It's not just on distributors. It's not just on lawmakers. It's on everybody. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful to be here talking with you and getting these issues top of mind. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, look at the onslaught, the, gr the great growth of delivery platforms, right? Uh, great companies like Minibar or Drizzly or Reserve Bar, right? Uh, that has been great in driving consumer convenience. We've seen some circumstances where the delivery companies, uh, I won't name any of them, but you know, the, uh, many of them probably haven't been trained on how to deal with uh, handling beverage alcohol. Unlike bartenders, right? We work very, very closely with TIPS, which is a mm -hmm. server training platform. There's a lot of them out there. TIPS is great. And just, just last week, we reached out to all the delivery companies. TIPS has a 
uh, a training certification platform for the delivery drivers, right? Delivery driver doesn't, you know, they may just not, with all due respect to them, may not be naturally as sensitive to the important role of delivering a cocktail, right? So uh, our our industry is going to have to evolve. We're going to have to be guided. Uh, you know, Discus has embraced uh, a standard that uh, cocktails to go. They should be sealed. We don't want uh, to enable people drinking and driving. Um, you know, in the mid 1980s, there were 25,000 plus people dying a year as a result of drunk driving fatalities. And uh, today, uh, last last year, the numbers were 10,551. I know that number uh, because every one of those lives uh, means something important to somebody, right? So that is the important role. So we want to make sure to. Uh, stay focused on eliminating underage drinking and drunk dr underage drinking is at its lowest levels that's ever been recorded. That is a great story. And the great news about the industry is it's part of our DNA. Uh, we work very, very closely through responsibility.org with the, uh, the traffic safety community, right? We have a lot of work to do on traffic safety and making sure, I mean, drunk driving is the most preventable, you know, crime that's out there, right? And it just takes work and education. So as we think about all of these new market access opportunities, I think we all have a role, not only consumers, not only Discus or responsibility.org, but our distributor partners and our retail partners really to come together because that will ultimately allow our industry to evolve and prosper and continue to bring sweet, great, doesn't have to be sweet, but great cocktails uh, out there and uh, to be enjoyed in moderation by a legal purchase age adult consumers. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, well, we, you know, Chris, we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, we've talked about a ton of really important current issues. And I, I do encourage our listeners to go ahead and, um, you know, actually do some outside research on these issues, because, you know, obviously, the influence of these, uh, these forces at play spreads far beyond the liquor cabinet. But um, as we uh, transition to maybe some lightning round questions here, I, I wanted to quickly just ask uh, about something that maybe we can get excited about these days because it, it is very, uh, you know, a large portion of the media we consume is doom and gloom. So uh, what's something to get excited about for home consumers, uh, you know, looking forward here into the, the immediate or uh, short-term future? Well, that's an easy question for me because I'm a, always a half glass full versus a half glass empty person. It's just the how I'm, I'm wired. And look, it, it's been a hard couple of months, uh, uh, no doubt. And we, we recognize that. Uh, but look, this is an awesome industry and this industry is going to gonna grow and, and prosper. Uh, and great, great distilled spirits are going to be coming to the marketplace. I think the exciting thing is uh, uh, COVID-19 is going to force dramatic, and if we do it right, really positive change for our industry. That doesn't mean, you know, that's going to happen overnight, but as we've talked about, really new platforms, and as we as an industry come together and figure all this stuff out, 
uh, it can really uh, bring to life our industry ever before. I think in the short term, we got to do all we can to help support our local pubs and restaurants and off-premise outlets and certainly the craft distiller community uh, because there has been a great American growth story happen for the craft distiller community and the U.S. distilled spirits industry. And we'll come, we'll come back from all of this and we'll come back stronger and better. One reason why we'll come back stronger and better is because I think, you know, the industry is much wise. And I think uh, we'll come together on some of these tougher issues to make a much more magical marketplace than we ever knew uh, was out there three months ago. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. And and for our listeners out there, especially the home consumers, you know, as you see new platforms or, uh, you know, to-go cocktails, for example, or, you know, the e- e-commerce emerging as or the alcohol delivery services, as you see new things emerge in the market, you know, I would encourage you to, to think deeply about them and to see if there's something you know, that, that could go wrong with it. You know, if, if you are working with a distillery who's trying something new and you see a potential red flag, distillers by nature are very safety-minded people. They're producing a regulated product. They're well-trained in how to get that out there. And they're dealing with stills. So they have to be careful of explosions. They're very cautious people and will actually appreciate uh, consumers raising concerns um, as long as you're able to do it, you know, kindly and, uh, you know, with the right intentions. So, um we're very much in a beta testing phase right now for a lot of these initiatives and uh, we can't beta test without users. So um, please know that, um, you know, all the people, all the distillers I've been talking to, all the bartenders and uh, bar managers I've been talking to are very, very sensitive to feedback that they're getting from consumers. So as a consumer, um, you know, you don't always talk to people who really care about what you're saying. Uh, these people care about what you have to say. So please don't hold back. Give us this feedback so that we can have a, a steady stream of feedback coming right from the consumer all the way up to the, you know, the, the producer, the, where this stuff literally comes off the still. That's super important for us to have this like kind of entire chain of custody represented as, you know, Chris and his team are lobbying uh, politicians and trying to get some of these initiatives passed because if they don't know we concerns, they can't raise them. Absolutely. And look, there's a couple of other resources. Obviously, uh, always, if you have time, check out the Discus website, www.distilledspirits.org and the responsibility.org website. And that is www.responsibility.org because those are great platforms to learn about the issues. Certainly the Spirits United platform is 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 terrific and uh please please sign up because it it takes a village uh and i think for our industry uh you know the spirits united platform is 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 one that we could and should all rally behind as we navigate all of these important issues totally totally uh well chris um is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of discus or responsibility.org before we jump into some lightning round questions here uh, no, but I just really thank, thank you all's listeners. And, uh, you know, we are guided. Uh, I appreciate the member companies at Discus. They give us the support and the resources to tackle uh, these big issues head on. 
And, uh, uh, you know, we get up every day, we try to represent the industry with the highest standards of integrity and with great pride and passion, uh, with laser focus. And uh, it's just a real privilege. So far away on the on the on the lightning questions. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite of all time, what's something maybe you've been more obsessed with recently? Uh, well, I like a straight uh, bourbon on the rocks with a splash of water for sure. But I had the privilege of representing everybody, right? So it, it depends on the moment. Uh, but uh, uh, Aperola Spritz mm. is something that is just uh, just awesome. But it doesn't matter if it's a dram of Irish whiskey or Scotch whiskey or uh, a vodka and soda, you name it. Uh, it's it's just it's it's art. So uh, we're we're in the art making in, uh, industry, and uh, it's a privilege for me to test and try it all. Absolutely, you got the omnivores approach there. Sunshine in a glass doesn't matter where that sun was shining, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Okay. Next question: If you were a cocktail ingredient, what would you be, and why? Ooh, I do love Bloody Marys. Uh, I do love Bloody Marys. They're not bad. Every once in a while, I know I come come across as a fool, but sometimes I'd like to have a Bloody Mary in the evening as well. And I know that's not that's not cool, but uh, certainly. Uh, so I'm a Texas boy. Uh, uh, if you put a pickled okra in that Bloody Mary. <laughs> Uh, that is, that is pretty good. So, uh, so that's, that's my guess on that. I love it. Pickled okra. Um, yeah, pickled okra and, uh, similar. I've I've had some good pickled asparagus also in a bloody Mary. That's also not not bad. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And put put bacon in there. I'll take it. Right. Well, and, and, you know, going back to the bloody Mary at night thing, um, you know what, if, if you feel like you didn't get all servings of the vegetables that day that you needed, then I mean, you know, why not? Exactly. 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 Cool. Um, All right. Here's the Widowmaker question. If you could have, and we'll just say a drink. It doesn't have to be a cocktail. If you're if you're a bourbon on the rocks guy with a little bit of water, but if you could have a drink with anybody in the world, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink? Uh, Just kind of paint us a picture. There is no doubt it would be with Winston Churchill. God bless him, right? And of course, I would have a dram of scotch with him, right? I think he would he would nap till like eleven or twelve o'clock, and he would stay up all night. It didn't matter what whatever time. I think that would be uh, that would just be phenomenal, uh, just because of you know the history and the stories that he lived and what he navigated through his life. I think that would just be a real treat. Uh, of course, there's, uh, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey would be cool, right? Texas, tex- Texas boy. Mm-hmm. But uh, no doubt, Winston Winston Churchill would be good fun. Good fun. All right. Well, you know what? If I had to play bongos, you know, naked with Matthew McConaughey, don't think anything of it, right? But uh, but but Winston Churchill would be would be good fun. Yeah. Yeah. McConaughey. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you'd have some uh, some. What was it? Uh, Long Turkey. Branch. Yep. Yeah, 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 a little yeah, bit of Long Branch. Exactly. That's not a bad on deck. But uh, Churchill, obviously, he was a wartime leader. And uh, unfortunately, this is kind of wartime for the spirits industry. So I feel like that would be a very illustrative conversation you'd have. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a history buff. So, uh, that would just be a pretty captivating time. So, uh, as you kind of alluded to a moment ago, you know, you're a man of, uh, of a wide palette. 
So this might be a tricky one for you, but is there any sort of cocktail ingredient or traditional spirit, maybe maybe from some far reaches of the world that you've never tried? Uh, so soju. Uh, I think that's that's a big brand, and maybe Korea. I don't think I've ever I've never been to Korea. Soju would be one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I think would be one. You got to be careful with soju, as I understand. So uh, that one that's one that comes to mind. Okay. I haven't been to Korea or Japan, uh, but that would be one you, you might have to put on a chin strap. And do it in moderation. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, between soju and baiju, and then the Japanese shochu, uh, I feel like once trade opens up again, we are going to be hearing a lot from those spirits categories. So I am personally very excited for the chance that when you know when things get a little bit more back to normal, to kind of dig into that because those spirits are going to be coming from west to east they're going to be hitting the west coast and it's going to be big so and great 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 japanese whiskeys are coming over as well yeah uh which are phenomenal absolutely absolutely very nice uh all right last one here in the lightning round um do you have any unusual or controversial beliefs uh in the spirits or cocktail space uh, that that one's a good one. Look, uh, the industry is inherently responsible, right? You've seen circumstances where, and and this is part of the evolution of the industry, but uh, you've seen circumstances where some industries have a tendency to put uh, money over everything else and profit and all of the above, right? I think the, the what's awesome about this industry is we're a very mature, responsible industry responsibility is part of our DNA. You know, we've lived, we've learned, and we recognize the more we do right and the more we do good and the more we're committed to making sure this these great products are enjoyed responsibly, uh, uh, it, it's critically important. And I know that kind of sounds like a, you know, canned, canned response from someone uh, in my role, but it is an important enabler for the growth and the prosperity of our industry. And I mean prosperity, not about money. It's about just uh, our livelihoods, right? Uh, Because uh, the more, it it just enables us to get more uh, connoisseurs and lovers of our great industry. I mean, the worst thing you ever see is someone that, you know, is just over, over consumed and, you know, they're being silly and that's not cool. And uh, that is not a reflection of our great industry, right? And we all have a role. We've all been there, right? We've all had, you know, uh, growing pains as a result of that. And we got to look out for each other and just keep uh, responsibility always top of mind because that will just ensure that our industry continues to prosper and do great. And, uh, you know, uh, we can start and continue to tell great stories about what all this industry contributes to the communities and societies we live in, live and work. Oh, for sure. And I think uh, now that um, 
the responsibility that each person has to one another, whether that's, you know, someone that you live and work with, uh, or somebody that you're just walking past on the street. Now it wearing a face mask, right? right? Wearing a face mask, right? We're all responsible for, for each other. Right. And I, I, I think that that's going to allow people to appreciate how responsible the industry is too, because like when I walk into a distillery, uh, and I see, you know, I see the the various safety measures in place that all these distillers have, and you know, I, I see the I see the flow of people when I walk into, uh, you know, a bar, and and you know, even just uh, capacity signs being respected, stuff like that. You know, that it it's uh, it's something that's invisible to a lot of people, but I I, I think now that everyone has this heightened sense of responsibility, I think people are going to be able to spot it a little bit more, and hopefully appreciate how responsible the industry really is. Yeah, and the last thing I'd, I'd share is, look, uh, uh, you, one of the things that I hope to try to achieve at Discus and Responsibility.org is really to unite the industry. And part of that is Spirits United, of course. But, you know, I, we're going to work really, really hard to try to unite the industry. It's now more important than ever as a result of COVID-19. Discus is in a unique position to be able to do that because of its history and uh, the foundation that it brings. And I'm just going to work really hard to try to galvanize all that passion and enthusiasm. And uh, I hope Discus and Responsibility.org plays a, a contributing role in helping us navigate through these kind of weird, very, very, very uncertain times and uh, play a role to unite the industry that we come out of this uh, 10 times stronger and better as an industry. And uh, consumers continue can can enjoy these great cocktails, not only all around the country, but all around the world. Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, Chris, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights. Uh, I think they, they're incredibly important right now. And I think this is a great time for people to be thinking about these larger forces at play. Um, so could you just go ahead and give us one more quick rundown of the various websites and uh, social media handles that people can visit to learn more about you and uh, the, the great work that your team uh, are doing with the with Discus and uh, Responsibility.org? Absolutely. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, Spirits United, www.spiritsunited.org. Uh, the Discus website is www.distilledspirits.org. And then Responsibility.org's website is www.responsibility.org. In all three of those platforms can give you a real sense of what the industry is doing from a responsibility perspective, from the engagement of major public policy issues to uh, really giving everybody a platform to get involved and engage. And it's really simple and easy. And uh, uh, I just really want to thank you for the visibility and the, and the platform to talk about all this stuff. And uh, uh, please don't don't ever don't ever hesitate to reach out to me directly. Uh, and you know, I'm going to do my level best, uh, to help play a leading role, uh, in helping the industry get through this. I uh, couldn't say it better myself. Amen to that. And I, I am, I am absolutely positive that, uh, you will be working as hard as, uh, as everybody else in this industry to get it done. So Chris, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, everybody. Cheers and stay safe and healthy and have a cocktail tonight. Help your uh, uh, neighborhood bar or restaurant. Thanks, everybody.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here. And by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed. Big picture insights and spirited inspiration courtesy of Chris Swanger and the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S. And a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2020.